You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. It's times like last night, I appreciate everybody for listening to the show. The Hornets are fun again, and everybody was having fun watching the Hornets because, one, they're winning, and that always brings good feelings, but also... I saw Doug interact quite a bit with the listeners where people were enjoying the inside jokes of the podcast, tweeting at Doug that Marco Bellinelli was defending Kemba like that of a potted plant. I saw that targeted towards you a couple of times. I also, soil. Everybody's having fun with the jingle, the freshest legs in the NBA. And that's exactly that pretty good. Thank you. And that's exactly what you sing every single time Dwayne Bacon touches the ball and takes it to the rack or Devontae Graham comes up with another assist or Miles Bridges hits another corner three. That's the jingle that is in your head. And it's times like that where it is a fun time to be a Charlotte Hornets fan and also listen to LOH. Freshest legs in the NBA. Let's talk about Dwayne Bacon, man. How awesome was he last night? Like, Kimball Walker, he gets all the credit and attention all the time, deservedly so. He's the best Hornet of all time. And for him to put up the stats that he did yesterday, it was incredible. 38 points for him. Outscored the entire Spurs team in overtime. 11 points to San Antonio's 10. That's something that we're not used to seeing. We, When we get to overtime, it is an expected loss. If we get to overtime, we're thankful to be in overtime sometimes watching the Charlotte Hornets, let alone win them, let alone win these type of games, Doug, without a Jeremy Lamb, who was also out, something we did not expect. He gets Every- injured, and then he goes out, and Jeremy Lamb is somebody that you would expect to be a big part of a victory, but he's gone. So now you have MKG gone. Cody Zeller, who they can't win without Cody Zeller. They have been the last couple of games, and it's because of guys like Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham stepping up. Let's get focused back on what Dwayne Bacon did yesterday. Dwayne Bacon, man, I mean, somebody that has had two career highs in a row, 20 points against Toronto, 24 against San Antonio last night, and had a big third quarter to help this team win this ballgame. Yeah, and Dwayne Bacon, I mean, I think it's fair for everyone to be surprised by these performances, right? Because he spent a lot of time in Greensboro this year, traveling back and forth uh, between Greensboro and Charlotte. And the the opportunities that he got early in the season were not necessarily indicative of a player that deserved a larger role on the team at, at this moment. Uh, but, but, you know, Borrego needed to do something to, to light a spark under this team, and Dwayne Bacon has been that. Well, and they kind of, I don't want to say they gave up, but winning was not their number one priority anymore. And so going to Dwayne Bacon was a sign of, it wasn't the white towel, but it wasn't again. It, the playoffs were not their number one priority after that second heat loss. Maybe after the game after that, I forget when they started to implement the young players again, but th- that this is where they are now. I mean, that's why Dwayne Bacon, Devontae Graham, and Malik Monk got thrown back into the rotation. I don't know if James Borrego was still frantically searching for that lineup that was going to work. I just think it was time that the young players got in, and therefore it happened. It just so happened as a consequence we didn't expect came all these victories. You know, beating Boston, winning against Toronto on this 50-foot shot from Jeremy Lamb, you know, starting it all off with Minnesota. And so while they may have fell backwards into it, I'm still here to collect the benefits of it. 
it wasn't a white towel. It was more like a picnic blanket, right? More bacon, more lamb, some mm. graham crackers. Oh, yes, that is fantastic. That is a great Hornets picnic analogy. You're absolutely right. Having all of these young guys perform very well. Dwayne Bacon, man, he's been so impressive on the defensive end and the offensive end. Doug, we've talked about all of these players that have been drafted by the Charlotte Hornets and what they do out there on the court. They sacrifice one end or the other. MKG, not going to help you a whole lot on offense. Transition, oh, sure, but in a half-court setting, MKG just doesn't help you a ton. You go to Frank Kaminsky. It's been somebody that's actually been a big part of the way they've been playing here lately, but you know you sacrifice a lot on the defensive end. Same with Bismack Biombo. We can do this all day. Dwayne Bacon feels like a guy that was drafted in the second round where you don't sacrifice a ton on one end of the floor or the other. And if this three-point shot keeps on falling and he keeps taking it with the confidence that he is, then, man, I mean, Dwayne Bacon, you are allowed to be extremely excited about him with the way he's playing right now. And important point about the defensive end, because I think a part of his early season struggles, in my mind at least, in my opinion, was on the defensive end. He looked lost, and I feel like Bacon might spend his entire career being somewhat inconsistent on the offensive end. Now he now so far, you know, if he continues on this streak, then that proves me wrong. But I think he but I think he's going to have to be a player that you depend on to use on the other team's best player. Like he, he needs to be a defensive matchup player. And I think, you know, all of this really started his his rise to prominence in in Charlotte Hornets fandom so far might start with his lockdown of Bradley Beal yeah, 100%. that gave them the victory over the Wizards. 100%. That is absolutely something you look at as the start of all of this. And Doug, you're not even wrong even here recently saying Dwayne Bacon might be an inconsistent offensive producer. You look at the four games he had prior to the one against Toronto, it was somebody for four games in a row failed to shoot above 40%. Now there was one game where he was able to get to the free throw line quite a bit and go 7 of 11. That was against Philadelphia. But then he follows that up with a one for eight performance against Minnesota in that Boston game. You know, he goes four of 10 and only hits one three pointer. But then he gives you these last two games and that's all okay, Right. So it still might come at an inconsistent rate. But man, you can still feel extremely good about what he's done. And there are some plays that I want to break down here in a second. But Dwayne Bacon, they went to that 2K camera angle. And it was, they just were kind of switching it up for us. And you see Dwayne Bacon have the ball at the top of the key. You kind of see the floor space out a little bit. I don't know if there was a Miles Bridges in the post or not, but he spreads out. He goes all the way to the corner. And so Dwayne Bacon, with the ball in his hands, it looks like he's about to set something up, maybe swing it. Then it looks like me and him, we both have the light bulb go off in our head. At least when I notice it on the court, I feel like Dwayne Bacon, he sees it as well. And so once he sees the C's part a little bit, he's got one-on-one at the top of the key. Dwayne Bacon puts his head down, controlled, dribbles all the way to the basket, takes the contact, is a big and strong enough dude to where it looks not effortless, but it looks easy enough to where he hits a shot, he hits a layup that you feel like he can hit 80% of the time. And I'm like, damn it. That's what you want to see from Dwayne Bacon, somebody that you can see cognitively process that, get it, execute it, and then go in on the the other end of the floor. That was a clutch bucket, by the way. I mean, this is when the Spurs were very close to them in the fourth quarter. And confidence off the court for Bacon has never been a problem. I mean, he's very confident in his abilities. I just think he's a rhythm player. We've seen so much of his damage happen in the third quarter. I mean, he has just been an absolute third quarter warrior 
for the Hornets, and it's a great tool to have. Someone you can get Kimba going at the beginning of the game and then coming out of the second half, throw a little bacon in there, throw a little bacon in the pan, and get things really started. That's been important for them. And and I want to point out, too, that this is probably not at all a surprise to Steve Clifford, who spoke uh, during his tenure a lot about the size that Bacon has for his position, the strength that he has, and then his work ethic. I mean, he was surprised that Bacon picked up things very quickly, and it's taken a little bit more time than I think some fans thought it would. But right now, uh, there's some people out there in Twitter land that are saying, could he be a more consistent player in the long run than Malik Monk? It's not unfair to say that. I don't think that's unfair. And as much as I will defend at least the door not being shut on Malik Monk, there were times last night where I made it a point just to strictly watch him on defense. Doug, he's completely lost out there at times. I mean, there there was the one lockup of DeMar DeRozan where maybe, as Nada tweeted out, I saw, maybe DeRozan bails him out with a fadeaway, but that's just his game anyway. I mean, he did that against Miles Bridges a couple of times, and you just couldn't stop him. But Malik Monk did a nice job solo on DeMar DeRozan. The problem is, is when Malik Monk has a bunch of screens set against him and where he gets lost in the chaos in the middle of the paint, he has zero clue where to go. There was a couple of three-pointers that were missed, but were open because Malik Monk got lost in the chaos. And there's just times out there, Doug, that he has zero clue what he's doing in a team defense-oriented role. There are times where maybe we've seen him improve every once in a while, but last night I made it a point to watch him on the defensive end when he got in, and he's still extremely lost. So when you talk about a Dwayne Bacon, when you talk about a Devontae Graham, who continues to make plays for the offense, even if his percentage isn't high in some of these games. And the nine assists that he had the other night, zero turnovers. You know, The assist-to-turnover ratio has been phenomenal for Devontae Graham here. Uh, those are the two guys that you're looking at. Young I mean, Miles Bridges, of course, is here. I mean, that's, that's somebody that's your first-round selection. But your second-round picks, they look good right now, and you're winning games against top opponents. You're winning games against top opponents, but some weird things are still happening in these games, like Patty Mills and Derek White, your two options at point guard for the San Antonio Spurs. They go a combined 0 for, what, 16, I believe? And that's just that's not going to happen every night. Well, doesn't Patty Senate. Mills, who usually destroys the Charlotte Hornets, isn't he in the Tobias Harris club? I feel like Patty Mills is one of those members. And I'm not disrespecting what the Hornets are doing. They're taking advantages. They're taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to them at this late stage of of the season. But still, the weird things are happening in these games. Well, you need them to. I mean, not everybody's going to say you know it's the play of Devonte and Dwayne, and that's why they're winning. You need weird things to happen. You need a half court shot to go in. You need. Uh, offensive slump weird. to happen for Boston. You know, you need to have some of these guys have a couple shots rim out, and yet they're taking advantage of it, and that's something we haven't seen before. Just real quick, on the, going back to that play that you were talking about, Bacon driving on DeRozan, uh, that play happens partly because the team respected Kemba. Kemba was helping to space out, but also Bridges, as you mentioned, in the corner. See, I was listening this time. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not just, I'm not just blatantly stealing from you no, but 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 Lamarcus doesn't dig down he has to stay kind of in between bridges and I think part of that is a, a little bit of video scouting now because bridges has become more consistent as a three-point shooter and teams I think now know that the Hornets are trying to get uh, bridges looks in the corner as we continue to fall in love with bacon here we need I've been wanting to go to break about a few different times and it's just so fun the Hornets just, are fun again <laughs> yay I'm so excited Dwayne Bacon 
coming out after halftime and having that interview with Ashley Shamady, he's done that a couple times now. So he, he talks with Ashley and immediately his answer, and Dell noticed this too, I thought it was something worth noting, where he immediately addresses a problem on defense that we're not getting out on shooters. And he says that extremely confidently. You know, Ashley asked him, I, I, free, I think it's, you know, what do you need to do in the second half? Something pretty generic. And Dwayne is like, we need to get out on shooters. We're looting shooters out there. And then they've hit a couple three-pointers on us. And it's just us getting lost out there on the perimeter. And they said, you know, it's Spoken like a veteran. Dwayne Bacon is speaking like somebody that is not in his second year as a second round draft pick that has gone back and forth between Greensboro and Charlotte. Are you in your car a lot driving to work, driving the kids around if you have a smart device in your car? And more and more of you do now. Tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say play Locked On Hornets and make drive time LOH time. We'll be back after this break. We'll come back with more here, plenty more on the young Hornets getting a lot of playing time. They're fun, and we're here to talk about them. It's LOH on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte? Or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those kind of glad he's gone. I, I, one of I, the too. only players that has blocked Locked On Hornets on Twitter. Did he block us? <laughs> yeah. He blocked us. Did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Still a couple of big storylines surrounding the Charlotte Hornets team, where, again, a lot of the national attention was on the Hornets after the crazy weekend that they have. And it's a little bit extended here with a win over the San Antonio Spurs. One question surrounding them now is, as we look at the success that they've been able to have the last four games, is it fair to question whether the Hornets should have gone to the younger guys sooner? Keep in mind, this was a Hornets team that had the goal all year long to make the playoffs. This was a postseason berth type of team with all the veterans on the team, all of these guys, just because of bodies alone, this is going to be a team that played their Marvin Williams, their Nick Batums, their Cody Zellers, their Tony Parkers, trying to get that last playoff spot or just try to find a way in the Eastern Conference playoff standing somewhere. And so I think it was after that second heat game, that's when I was done. It was the second heat loss that they had and that was the one where I was like, it's time to throw the young guys in where I'm going to go into the rest of the season not having any type of expectation. You do see on Twitter now, a lot of people are second-guessing just another one of James Borrego. Well, why didn't Borrego do this sooner? And I would agree, Doug, I saw you go at it on Twitter. You are new. Nada has not been on Maybe not go at it a whole lot, but you were very vocal. You were vocal on Twitter, and that fired up. That's usually Nada, who is only going to be in here on Fridays with us for Fire Fridays for the most part. You are picking up the slack, and I did see your defense of Borrego at least in this particular scenario, and that yeah, like if you're trying to win basketball games, if you're doing what you possibly can to get to the postseason. I don't think what comes about, what the solution is that you're in your head at that moment is to sit Nick Batum and Marvin Williams and all of these other veterans, right? I mean, he kept trying to shuffle the deck, and it's just the cards that you're dealt, you can't change them in any way. But going to the younger guys, because what do they have, Doug? 
the freshest legs in the NBA. I was hoping that you would get that. But we have the freshest legs I'm in the to NBA. Say, I can't listen. I'm, I'm fired up about this Twitter thing. So and go I ahead. Keep the, take, well, because i got to keep the fire, and if I start singing, it's going to take my fire away. You take the floor then, because I agree with you that to, to blame Borrego, at least for that, look, there's a lot of things that I think Borrego deserves to be criticized for, but I, I don't think this is one of them. Talent wins in the NBA. And and that uh, goes for the playoffs doubly, triply so, okay? And, you know, it's all about how many Hall of Famers you have on your roster winning in the playoffs. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter what you do during the season, what kind of looks you're giving guys, you know, what, what your rotation changes you make. Everything gets exposed in the playoffs. And so as a head coach, if if your goal is to not only make the playoffs but try to compete in the playoffs – then you have to look at your roster and, and evaluate who are your most talented individuals on this roster who have historically will, will give you the best chance to win, and you go with those players and try to develop the rotation around those players. And, you, you, you know, he, again, you said it. I mean, he was dealt a bad hand. Those players, unfortunately, some of those players did not get better. I mean, you needed Nick Batum to play better. They said it at the beginning of the season, before the season ever started, that some changes were going to have to happen to Nick Batum's game for them to be successful. Then they decided to start Jeremy Lamb. If you want to talk about mistakes, I think starting Jeremy Lamb and shifting so much of the offense to him hurt Nick Batum in, in a way that I think stunted the team's growth early on. So to me, that's a mistake, but not playing these young guys. They had opportunities early in the season, and you just didn't. You did not see anything that indicated that Dwayne Bacon was capable of this. That Frank Kaminsky, by the way, was capable of this. So many of these people that are criticized or that that are sort of subtly criticizing Borrego now for not playing these young guys are the same people that wanted to eject Frank Kaminsky into the sun. And by the way, both of those things were probably the correct evaluation early in the season because that's that's the information that you had then. And, and this is what's happening now. And when you look at Frank Kaminsky, he's been a big part of what they've been able to do. And Rebounding and, machine. Uh, <laughs> but who, ever, who saw that coming? Did you so, ever think you were going to say that it, about Frank Kaminsky? It's hindsight glasses. That's what gets me fired up on Twitter when people put the hindsight glasses on and, and then want to go back. I mean, I, I compared it to a radio station or a television station that is in the middle of sweeps. That's the period where, you know, you want to put your best stuff out there. People are paying attention to the ratings and you want to beat your competition. You go with what you know. You go with your big guns. You don't put an intern out there because in the hopes that things will turn around if things get tough. No, you got to stick with your best, most talented people. And if that doesn't work, then then change the roster. You look at where the NBA is in the stand, or excuse me, the Charlotte Hornets in the NBA standings right now, in the Eastern Conference standings. The Hornets are now just a game and a half out of where the Orlando Magic are after they beat the Miami Heat. So Orlando beats Miami. They now hold the eighth spot in the East. Miami is a half game back of Orlando, and Charlotte is a game and a half back of Orlando. What gets interesting here, Doug, is that not only do you have Orlando just a game and a half in front of the Hornets. The seven seed is only two games in front of the Hornets and the Detroit Pistons, and the six seed is only two and a half games in front of the Charlotte Hornets. So now, yeah, let's get nuts as we talk about the playoff standings and where the Hornets fall. The Hornets have a game on Friday against the LA Lakers. We know about their back to back that they have against Golden State and Utah. 
Win, win. You <laughs> very confident. Is a one seat out of reach? I'm I, just saying. I, if if they just did, if they would have gotten started a little bit sooner, I think they could have taken Milwaukee's place at the top of the Eastern Conference standing. So while I still am not fully into the postseason berth is going to happen movement, I still think that this is a team that needs to continue to play the young guys. And even if you were going after a postseason berth wholeheartedly, it's not like you're going to switch the rotation now. You can't do that. But I'm, I'm still out on a postseason berth, but it's real. It, it's on the real. possibility of one, but you would like to see them get the playoff berth if at all possible, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still wanting – look, I'm, I will be cheering for Hornets wins. Yeah. I, I want the Hornets to win. I want the Hornets to win by playing their young guys. And I know that the opposite is being said out there for some people's opinions. I still want the Hornets to win. I'm just saying I don't believe it yet. You got to tank, man. <laughs> you got to get the draft. No, listen. How about the draft picks that they've made over the past couple of years? Your Grams, your Bacons, your Monks. Would, would it not be good for those players to continue this momentum, prove to themselves and prove to the coaching staff that they are able to, to accomplish this thing, get into the playoffs, and even if you're ejected after four games, you get some playoff experience for these players. I think that's ultimately great for a franchise that doesn't that they, they're not going to have a lot to do in terms of, you know, remaking this roster next year minus the the big Kimba Walker question mark. All right, we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Just one more segment up for today's podcast. It's Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. One of the shots is Godzilla just, of course, rising out of the sea, ready to fight all the other Godzilla monsters that are attacking Earth. And I was like, oh, it's Frey Kaminsky. That's exactly what Frank did. He Ferocious. Where has he been? He just comes out of the ocean. You made that. That was, that was quite the sound. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks again for joining us here. Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, talking about the win last night. Doug going off on Twitter, discussing with a lot of people, also a former friend of the show, still friend of the show, we just haven't seen him in a long time. Nick Denning helped you make a point yesterday on social media. Yeah, we got to talking about this idea of player development on Twitter. Shout out Nick Denning, by the way. He chose uh, helping America's youth over this show. I don't I don't know about that decision necessarily. Yeah, it seems self-centered. Yeah, I feel like it's a little selfish, right? I mean, you know, the Hornet. What about the Hornets' youth? What about the Hornets? You know, I, fans. I, I do mean former friend. Now that I think about it, yeah, I just like my friends to be a little bit selfless, and I don't feel like that was the move that happened with Nick Denning. He's dead to me, but he did help me make this point, which <laughs> is, you know, we talk a lot about player development, right? It was one of the the pillars, the reasons why the the organization chose. James Borrego over other possible head coaching candidates is that they believed that he was a guy that could come in and and help some of these young players develop. But number one, development takes time. It's not time travel. You can't, that's what I'm saying. You can't look at how they've developed to this point without recognizing that Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham spent a lot of time getting run in Greensboro. Like their their path led them to where they are. It, and it's also not necessarily a straight line up. Uh, Nada likes to say that all the time. Player no, development, not a straight line agree. up. You're going to have ups and downs. So to say that, oh, why didn't Borrego 
you know, have the foresight to to put in Dwayne Bacon halfway through the season. I mean, he got run in November and December, and and the results just weren't there yet. No, I I think when you look at guys that do develop, it, it's not an escalator. You know, you're not on this steady pace on the incline. It, it is it's weird. It gets weird for a lot of different players, and sometimes you don't see guys truly get into their own until you know three years out maybe even longer than that. It just so happens there has been something that has been clicking with Dwayne Bacon at the very end of his second year. It's more like those airport walkways, the the motorized ones that are like an escalator, but if you laid it out flat, it's more like those because sometimes people with their big-ass bags, they sit in the left lane, they block the whole thing, and you can't, you know, you can't move forward. And you're like, come on, what is going on? I've got on a those? flight to catch. Do you walk on those or do you let it take you? Honestly, On if- the flat floor escalators. Uh, see, I'm a little bit alternative to the way most people think, which is not going to surprise a lot of listeners. Interesting, to this. Doug. Yes. Well, Let me put my fingers on my chin and think about this for a second. If I have a, an important flight to catch, I'm picking up my bags and running as fast as I can, not on the walkway, because there are too many jokers who use it as just a normal transportation device because they don't want to walk. No, if I, I'm going as fast as I can on the normal route see i'm not i'm never in a position i rarely find myself in a position where the i home have alone to, position where i have to yeah where run run rudolph is playing in the background i'm rarely <laughs> in that position what i usually find myself i usually process before i like if there are times where i have to switch flights where i have to go to a different gate and that flight is about to take off soon i'm usually in a position where i can do a nice brisk walk and also process if there's enough people on the flat escalator to where I shouldn't chance it. And mostly, you know, those things do work. You know, you do see people that book it, man. No, no, those things work, man. Like that gets you to from point A to point B. I think a lot I can faster. run. I think I could run faster than if you were to try to like fast walk on those things. I want to go to Charlotte Douglas International mm-hmm. and I want to try this out. There would be one time. I'm super seems, confident in, in this. That seems well. At what? Because if I just stand there, then of course you're going to beat me running. But there has to be maybe not power walking. There has to be some type of stipulation on how fast I can go on the escalator and to where you can beat me. I understand physics that if you run, <laughs> if if you and I are running the same speed and I'm running not on the walkway and you are running on the walkway, yes, you will beat me. What I'm telling you is because of the variables, <laughs> because running on those things, you got to, you know, your bag can't really roll along on it. I'm just telling you, I can beat most people who are fast walking on that thing. I understand. We understand physics. It's not running. Fast walking on the walkway versus me full speed ahead run through the crowd. I'm beating you every time. Have you, you go, I've never gone full sprint before. You've gone full sprint before? You've been that desperate? It's been that time? I don't want to miss my flight. I hear you. All right. I've just never been like that before. Real quickly, we did have an MVP battle last night in the NBA. Giannis taking on James Harden. It is a very close race. James Harden, he goes for 23 points. Not a very efficient shooting night for him. Just 9 of 26, 1 of 9 from beyond the arc. Giannis, not a great night either. 7 of 15, so the efficiency is fine, even though it's less than what he's done on the season. Five turnovers for him, just 19 points. The Bucks end up do getting the victory. But, Doug, if the Hornets do indeed get that last spot, in the Eastern Conference playoffs, they would be playing the Milwaukee Bucks, and they are undergoing some injuries right now. Malcolm Brogdon is out. He's going to be out for quite a while. I think that would certainly hurt them the deeper they go in the playoffs, but it could be a little bit interesting. It's not going to be, hey, 
could they get a six seed and possibly play the Indiana Pacers interesting? I don't think it would be like that. But with the Bucks, maybe it's not the classic, oh, what good does it do to just get to the playoffs and get swept by the first seed altogether? Perhaps you can get a game or two, especially with a team that they've matched up well against this season. Yeah, people put a lot of stock in playoff victories. I mean, obviously you want the playoff series victory. That's going to help the franchise as a whole. But if you can get some of these young guys to get one or two games and, and again, feel what that feels like, that's not a bad thing. I still don't give them much of a chance, even with – I just think that, you know, with Middleton and Antetokounmpo, it's probably enough. <laughs> it's, and what, you and think I, so? But I will say the Hornets have matched up well with uh, with Milwaukee – and, and they've had some fun regular season battles. But what I would warn fans who are getting maybe a little too ahead of themselves is that things change so dramatically in the playoffs. And I think this Hornets team, barring you know Dwayne Bacon continuing to give you 25 to 30 points a night. We have Dwayne Bacon, Doug. We've got yeah. Kemba and Dwayne. Okay, barring that, you shut down Kemba, you double-team the hell out of him, and, and you can you can beat this Hornets team four times. And thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You're not outrunning me in an airport.